7 a.m. on the West Coast, 10 a.m. on the East Coast of America. Good morning, America. How are you? It's 3 p.m. in London, 7.30 in Mumbai, India, 11 p.m. in Kyoto, Japan, and in Malaysia, it's 1943. I'm Jay Sheldon, the pantless wonder. You may wonder. <laughs> oh, man. I was shooting today uh, another episode for uh, One Meter Garden, which is one of the shows that I uh, am part of. If you want to check it out, it's on YouTube. Just search for One Meter Garden, and you can check out the show. We're doing a new episode coming out, uh, I think, Friday. We should have it, but we were shooting today, and it was so hot. Un I mean, it's Malaysia. It's always hot. But today was one of those scorchers. Bright sunshine, heat beating down. I'm sweating like a farm animal. Uh, anyway, we got it done. Should be really cool. Look out for that on Friday. Check it out on YouTube or Facebook, One Meter Garden, OMG. And uh, like and subscribe if you wouldn't mind, please. Check it out. It's a really nice show. I think you'll like it. Very short little minute or two show uh, where we make over little spaces, little useless unused spaces in your house that uh, give you some ideas on that, what you can do to kind of make them over and make them interesting, make them a nice place to hang out. All right, uh, so that was my day. And then about four o'clock, it started to rain and it was thunder and lightning and rain and black skies. As a matter of fact, ah, uh, yeah, check this out. Here's a picture from my, uh, there we go. Here's a picture from my front porch my front deck, and look at that sky. That is what I was looking at this afternoon when that storm came rolling in. It was black as night. That was a wicked storm that came through. And still, to this very minute, it is raining. It's, it's backed off to a drizzle. But for the last couple of hours, there has been the most amazing lightning storm. And most of it is cloud-to-cloud -cloud lightning. So it's lighting up the whole sky. Uh, there's difference. If you don't know about lightning, there's cloud-to-ground lightning, which is, of course, the very dangerous one that you can get killed by. But there's also what's called cloud-to-cloud -cloud lightning, where the lightning just shoots back and forth between the clouds. Doesn't come to the ground, not terribly dangerous, although don't assume if you see cloud-to-cloud, -cloud, it can be cloud-to-ground too. But uh, most of this past hour or two has been this amazing cloud-to-cloud -cloud lightning storm that's moved over the Klang Valley, and it's just been absolutely unbelievable. It, it's, uh, yeah, it's, wow. It has been a night for, uh, for rain after a day for heat. By the way, it wasn't all bad because when I woke up this morning, take a look at what greeted me. Yeah, my lotus push pushed out another bloom, and it just uh, just popped open this morning. It's been growing for, I don't know, it only takes about, you can almost watch them grow. They grow so fast. But this is my uh, lotus pot that uh, pushed out another, another bloom this morning. So there was a little piece of good news. Uh, the other little piece of good news in my life, of course, is this furry little lady. Miko up. Go update. 
our little Shiba Inu friend. I noticed, by the way, my software is being all kinds of weird tonight. So if if we wind up screwing something up, you'll understand why. Uh, It is lagging a little bit. Anyway, she's great. She had a nice walk this morning when it was before the heat really set in. And then uh, tonight, she only just, my significant other, just took off. Uh, for a walk because it's been raining since like four o'clock. Usually we can beat the rain, so I'll go out about six with her, but not tonight. Earlier, though, she was in a giant fight with this. (laughs) Yeah, this was taken just like an hour ago. Uh, We actually bought her this giant pillow, and we thought she'd be cute and snuggle with it. She's not. She's trying to tear it apart. She grabs onto this little ear here on the paw, on these little things, and she tries to tear them off. So she is, one of these days, she's going to tear this thing apart. But, uh, yeah, so that's our little girl. She's doing well, and uh, thank you for asking. I I do get a lot of messages and PMs that say, hey, how's Miko doing, blah, blah, blah. So, anyway, yeah, the answer is, she's doing great, thank you. And, uh, like I always say, you don't ask about me and how I'm doing. It's all, how's Miko doing? Oh, actually, you know what? There's a there's a cuddle picture too here. Hold on, I'm like a, you know, it's like I got a, it's like a baby. There she is, uh, cuddling with the pillow. This is see, this is what we thought she'd do with the pillow. By the way, if you're listening on our podcast, you can just go to our video on Rumble.com. Just look for Jay Sheldon over on Rumble. You can subscribe over there, and uh, yeah, so that's her having fun with her pillow. <laughs> all right, all right, enough baby pictures. I'm telling you. Uh, What else we got going on? Oh, yeah. Idiot customers. (laughs) I did a whole show once before, a whole segment of a show on how customers are not always right. And uh, we're kind of doing that a little bit again tonight. But just, you know, our first story is is about that. So we'll get to that in just a second. Uh, By the way, they did announce some new policies here in Malaysia, the health department, Ministry of Health, whatever the morons are. And, uh, you know, they basically have done absolutely nothing. Uh, We have this app I've complained to you about before on our phones called MySajatra. And you check in by scanning the QR code and then they, you know, they can track you and know all your movements and all that crap if they wanted to. Um, But anyway, they're not going to require that anymore. Now, get this, the idiocy of masks, which I've said it before, I will say it again. There is not a single randomly controlled trial that show that cloth masks and these surgical masks have done anything substantial to control the spread of the virus. None. Zero. If you find one, it's not a randomly controlled trial. It is some biased, ridiculous. They're not out there. Trust me, they don't exist. Because they don't. They don't work. Okay? I wear one, yes, because it's the rule, and I, for the most part, try and follow the rules. But I realize every time I put it on, it's just a freaking clown show, and it's doing you and me zero good. Okay? No study, no real data that shows that masks have any effect on the spread of the virus. In limited cases, it may have an effect on a COVID-positive person spreading it. But again, no comprehensive study that show that cloth or surgical masks do anything to protect you against the virus. And if somebody tells you differently, they're either an idiot 
or they're just simply lying to you because, you know, they like big daddy government telling you what to do and they, they live for that. There's even a JAMA study, Journal of the American Medical Association, which shows a negative impact, particularly, by the way, on young children, all right? So there, I've said my little piece. Now, if you want to ban me or whatever, knock yourself out. Really don't give a crap. If you believe masks work, you're wrong. There's no science that says it does, but you do you. You want to wear a mask? Wear a mask. Knock yourself out. You can wear five masks. Wear them to bed if you want. Anyway, all right, so I've said my piece about that. I think it's stupid, but yes, of course, I will wear one because that's what the rules say, as ridiculously stupid as the rules are. Uh, what else we got? Yes, okay, stupid customers. Speaking of stupid things, World of Buzz, links in the show notes if you want to check it out. <laughs> it's a funny, funny article. How do I explain Pan Mi to people who don't live in Malaysia or Southeast Asia? Pan Mi is like noodles. It is noodles, but it's a particular kind of noodle. It's not like ramen noodles, or, you know, you get the, the, the mee that you, you know, the, the packages of the dried noodles that you put in the boiling water. You add the flavor packs. I mean, here we call it Maggie Mee or, you know, whatever. There's a thousand brands. It's not that, but it's similar. Maybe not as squiggly. Anyway, another Malaysian has made it tough, has proven themselves to be a complete moron by making... Now, he has to have done this on purpose. This cannot be real. But somebody placed an order, and they put these specific weird requests in his Panmi order. Uh, you got to read the whole article to get all the details. Oh, okay, there's a good picture. Now, you can't really see the noodles much. There's one right there. But, you know, panmi usually comes with a bunch of maybe some vegetables, some bean sprouts, maybe uh, some meat, uh, ikan balis, which is like like uh, kind of like dried uh, sardines, sort of. I'm trying to explain this for people who don't live here, so you know, who are in the U.S. or U.K. Uh, an egg, perhaps. Also, there's all kinds of stuff you can put in, in panmi. But anyway... As a customer, you have a right to make changes or additional requests of your food, but you really got to look at it from the restaurant's perspective and not be an idiot like this person was. Kim Ki Noodles in Bandar Sri Damansara, which is a town here in Malaysia, shared an image of a takeaway order they received via a food delivery platform application, one of these apps. Uh, the customer ordered a portion of thick chili pan mi. Simple, but not straightforward order. They had a list of requests for their bowl of noodles that, by the way, would cost him 13 ringgit and 30 sen, which in USD is probably about three bucks, maybe four. Yeah, maybe four bucks or less. Anyway, here's what the customer requested. Thin noodles. And he says, you guys make handmade noodles, so shouldn't be an issue. Soft noodles. I want it to flow out of my mouth. <laughs> right away, you can tell that this guy is an idiot. Extra dried shrimp in the dried shrimp chili. Deseed the chilies. Yeah, that's going to happen. An egg with two yolks, or if not available, then two eggs, please. <laughs> 
Extra minced meat. My dad loves it. Separate the anchovies to preserve their crispiness, or else I'll complain. Threatening will get you nowhere, pal. Uh, can I? Yeah, someone can't stand the heat. Aldwin says, you're right, Aldwin Wong, one, two, three. I guess, seriously, I've lived here 20 years now. In fact, next month, it'll be exactly 20 years when I landed for the first time in Malaysia. But to this day, there are days where it is beyond anything anybody can tolerate. Even Malaysians are complaining about it. All right, back to this. Uh, Can I get two extra deep-fried wontons? Can I try your new dumplings? You need customer feedback. Yeah, I don't need this customer's feedback. Pour the soup into the plastic bag when it's not hot. I heard plastic bags are not good for hot liquid. If I get food poisoning from the soup, I'll sue you. Extra sliced meat, please. My dad loves that too. You might wonder if this restaurant took the order and complied with all this. Well, guess what? They didn't. They said, to you, take your order and shove it where the sun doesn't shine. Good on you. I am going to go to Kim Ki Noodles and order some pan mi just as a thank you for them doing the right thing and telling this moron to screw off. We don't want your business. What an idiot. I, You know, there's nothing in this article that says, and the guy later said, oh, I was just kidding. Apparently, this moron was serious. So, no, the customer is not always right. And two, customers suck. <laughs> I'm telling you. One of the, you know, you people just keep pushing it. Keep pushing it. Well, thankfully, Kim Key, good on you guys. Good thing you didn't order the shrimp. <laughs> no, I mention that because it's a segue to our next segment. After I take a coffee break, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> you know Australia where nearly every animal in Australia is trying to kill you? I found another one. This one's not on the land, it's in the sea. It is called a sea scorpion. An extinct sea scorpion, or what they thought was extinct, has been discovered in Australia. It can grow to two meters long. Check this out. Serious. That's a real picture. And that is a sea scorpion. Look at that. Again, podcast listeners, sorry, go to our Rumble and watch the video. Uh, This is just unbelievable. There's some other pictures of different versions of this thing. The scientists believe this thing had been extinct. Not so much. A big, bad sea scorpion has been discovered two meters long in Australia. Like I said, these here's a, a fossil of one. And again, it's been around for a very long time. Let's get through all the ads. Can we please? Okay, it's all just ads. 
Anyway, the link is in our show notes tonight, and do check it out because if nothing else, you got to see this picture. This is frightening. This thing is in the water, swimming with you. Scary ain't the word for it, Aldwin. Seriously. Wow. Dang, Australia. I don't know what you're doing with the animals down there, but seriously, why would anybody want, you know? It's insane. Oh, man. All right. I got it. <laughs> mm. By the way, would you like a Miko mug? This is one of our Miko merchandise. It has our show logo. It has Miko on it. It's a nice 15-ounce coffee mug, ceramic. We've got uh, mugs. We've got hats, T-shirts, ball caps, hoodies, uh, mouse pads, stickers, notepads, all kinds of cool stuff. Where do you find that? You just go to the top link in our description down below. You podcast, video, wherever you're watching or listening, and uh, check it out. It takes you to Miko Merch, which is our show merchandise. It all features Miko, of course. So check that out and buy something, would you? <laughs> uh, do you know Shel Silverstein? Somebody posted this. And again, this is one of those shows this week, uh, tonight, uh, where it's just a mosh. It's a mix of just a little bit of everything. So we've got Sea Scorpions. We've got Idiot Customers. And we've got Shel Silverstein, one of my favorite poets and writers. He is always uh, past now, but he was an absolutely amazing man who did so many creative uh, you you likely have heard like uh, Sarah Cynthia Sylvia Stout, who would not take the garbage out. It's one of his most famous uh, poems. But this one I loved, and it's not often heard. You, you never really, unless you've got a book of Shel Silverstein's work. And uh, whenever I come across these kind of little pieces, I love to share them with you. So I will, again, it's just a picture of the poem, which I'll pop up on the screen here. But um, it, it's called The Clock Man. How much will you pay for an extra day? The clock man asked the child. Not one penny, the answer came. For my days are as many as smiles. How much will you pay for an extra day? He asked when the child was grown. Maybe a dollar, or maybe less. For I have plenty of days of my own. How much will you pay for an extra day? He asked when the time came to die. All of the pearls in all of the seas and all of the stars in the skies. Use your time wisely. Wow. That's a great example of the kind of uh, amazing work that Shel Silverstein does. If you get a chance, check him out. Just search him out. Do a search online, and you will love his stuff, I promise you. It's really, really nice. All right, what else? Oh, cool. Check this out. I don't think this is from Australia because it's huge. In fact, it's the hugest, as someone we know and love says. Huge. Um Life's too short to be tripping. Just enjoy it. <laughs> good uh, good advice, Aldwin. Good advice. All right, check this out. Unbelievable. The world's largest flower. It's not from Malaysia. I have no idea. Actually, it doesn't say where this is from. But take a look at this. 
yeah, this is nuts. That's a full-grown adult. Again, podcast listeners, check out our video on Rumble or check out the link. I did put the link in our show notes. That is the flower. It's called Amorphophilus titanium, one of the largest flowers in the world. Now get this. It blooms once every 40 years. One time every 40 years it blooms, and it blooms for only four days, and then it's gone for another 40 years. So if you're lucky in your lifetime, you might get to see two blooms from this Amorphophilus titanium, one of the largest flowers in the world. How cool is that? Incredible. See, that's what we do on the show. We just find this weird stuff and we share it with you. (laughs) Speaking of weird stuff, how about a goo that could save your life? Not kidding. This is the strangest thing. This is from a cool Facebook page. You may want to give them a follow and a like. It's called Interesting Engineering. And uh, they posted this video. This stuff, this orange stuff you see here, is called D30. Well, that's what, you know, not a very inventive name, but that's what they call it. It is a soft goo that transforms into a substance tough enough to protect you from accidents. Take a look at this weird video. Watch, he's, he's hammering on his hand underneath there. You see the stuff of science fiction. Soft, malleable goo that transforms when it's hit into a rock-hard substance. Lightweight material. It'll protect you from, look at that, smashing his hand with a hammer. There's a goo that could save, can you imagine you put this in like motorcycle helmets and stuff? It has a shock absorbency that's based on non-Newtonian principles. When the fluid is in its natural state, the molecules lock together, dispersing and absorbing energy when it's impacted in order to make it hard and impenetrable. You could wrap, look at that, they're smashing it. It's wrapped in an egg egg wrapped in this goo, and then they bang on the outside. It doesn't crack the egg because it absorbs the impact. Absolutely amazing. Again, there's a sound to this and everything, but you've got to check it out. It is amazing. Just a thin layer of this stuff. There, can you imagine putting this stuff in like uh, in like motorcycle helmets or even a full body suit for that matter? I don't know how expensive it is, but um, it's incredible and uh, been invented by some engineers. Absolutely fascinating. The link to this uh, video is in our show notes. You can check it out. Bulletproof, I don't know. It doesn't mention that uh, in the video, but they are talking about putting it in like football helmets, motorcycle helmets. They've applied for a patent. And, uh, oh, skiers also are using this thing in their, uh, in their helmets. It was worn by the U.S. and Canadian ski teams. Cool. Again, it doesn't mention whether or not it's bulletproof I would imagine, I don't know, maybe the speed of the bullet would be too much. But um, interesting, interesting stuff. Check the video out. It's in our show notes. You can watch it later or whatever. 
Check it out now. It should open in a uh, in a separate window. Very cool. D30 Goo. Very, very weird. It's a long video, by the way. Uh, all right. Have we got one more? We do. <laughs> we do have one more, and then we'll get to Winnie the Pooh. It's a long chapter tonight, too, by the way. We only got about three more chapters in Winnie the Pooh, and then we'll move on to something else. There's been a lot of a lot of talk lately, especially if you're in the U.S., you've heard about this, no doubt. Uh, Ron DeSantis, the amazing governor of Florida, um, had signed legislation. Uh, people were mistakenly calling it the don't say gay bill. That is not what the bill is. The bill mentions nothing about that in it. The bill is to stop people from having sexual conversations, teachers particularly, with people with kids in like kindergarten, first, second, third grade, where none of that crap is necessary or should be. So teachers have been getting a lot of heat. Frank frankly, it's the teachers that deserve to get a lot of heat. But I just wanted to share with you the idea that we should not take teachers despairingly. We should appreciate teachers for what they do. A small group of morons are causing all kinds of bullcrap because of this ridiculousness. But for the most part, just like cops, you get one or two bad cops and everybody thinks all the cops are horrible. They're not. You get one or two idiot teachers, suddenly all the teachers are bad. They're not. What made me think of this is this picture posted by a good friend, old friend of mine, Tom Brown, uh, on his Facebook. It's a public post. This is a picture uh, from 1973. I can't quite read that date down here in the... Uh, down here in the... It's the Cornwall Consolidated School faculty. Now, I went to the Cornwall Consolidated School. It's a very tiny little school in Cornwall, Connecticut. It is my, and it has kindergarten all the way through eighth grade. So this was all of 50 over years ago, more than 50 years ago, when I was at Cornwall Consolidated School in grammar school. But here, again, this was after I had left and I was in high school. But other than the teachers who were not there when I was there, I remember every single one of these teachers. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, let's see. This is Mrs. Rainville, third grade teacher. Miss Baum who did a mean flight of the bumblebee on the piano when we would behave and she would treat us to that. Miss Baum was an amazing woman. Uh, fifth grade. Uh, oh, there's our first grade teacher. Amazing. Mr. Orris, eighth grade teacher. Lynn Niebergall. Thank you for the kilt, Lynn. Sorry I never got it back to you. Our uh, fifth grade teacher, I think, was Lynn Niebergall. Seventh grade was Mr. Uh, Mrs. Hayes. As I said, Mr. Oros in eighth grade. There's Doug Carlson, our sixth grade teacher. Uh, Lee Collins, Kay Lee Collins, who was the music teacher. 
This fellow, I do remember him, but I don't remember his name. He was the uh, maintenance guy, I believe. And that's the thing. I remember Sally Hart, who was a teaching assistant. Miss you dearly, Sally. We're still connected on Facebook. And I'd still like to borrow your socks. <laughs> Love you, Sally. Uh, anyway, the fact is, 50 over years later, my brain is not a sponge anymore. And I can remember 99% of all of these teachers. That's the kind of influence teachers have on your kids' young lives. Respect them. Appreciate them. Here I sit 50 over years later, and I fondly remember each and every one of these people, many of whom, sadly, are no longer with us. But, yeah. Wonder if teachers there had faced the same issues with students here in Malaysia. Um, I would think probably, uh, Aldwin, that it's not the same issues, but issues nevertheless. Uh, I'm not really familiar with what sort of issues they have. I know schools here are vastly different than they are in the U.S. Um, but yeah, um, I, I would guess, you know, kids are kids, so... I think those kind of problems are a bit universal. <laughs> no doubt. All right. Uh, is it time? It is time, isn't it? Yeah. We got to move on here and get it going because we've got a very long chapter tonight in Winnie the Pooh. As you know, we, uh, we read books on this show. We have been doing that from the very beginning. This is what, our 206th show. Wow. And uh, we get them from the Gutenberg Project, gutenberg.org. Uh, you can check that out and head on over there for all kinds of classic books. They're all in the public domain. They're totally free. You want to make a donation to the Gutenberg Project, you can. There's a click on the link on the site. But uh, everything is free. You can download it as text files. You can read it online as HTML. Uh, there are some ebook versions of some of the books there. But it's a wonderful site, uh, gutenberg.org. The Gutenberg Project, and uh, that's where that's where these amazing books come from uh, that we use here on uh, on our show. So let's pop up the title of the book. There you go, and do one quick thing. See, if you're listening to the podcast, you don't know what happens when suddenly the mic goes quiet. If you're watching on the video, you can tell I mute my, I, I mute my mic and I clear my throat because nobody wants to hear me go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time. Let's get on with it. Winnie the Pooh from A.A. A. Milne in 1926, Chapter 8, in which Christopher Robin leads an exposition to the North. One fine day, Pooh had stumped up to the top of the forest to see if his friend Christopher Robin was interested in bears at all. At breakfast that morning, a simple meal of marmalade spread lightly over a honeycomb or two, he'd suddenly thought of a new song, and it began like this. Sing ho for the life of a bear. And when he got as far as this, he scratched his head thought to himself, that's a very good start for a song. But what about the second line? He tried singing, ho, two or three times, but it didn't seem to help. 
Perhaps it would be better, he thought, if I sang high for the life of a bear. So he sang it, but it wasn't. Very well, then, he said. I shall sing that first line twice, and perhaps if I sing it very quickly, I shall find myself singing the third and fourth lines before I have time to think of them. And that will be a good song. Now then, sing ho for the life of a bear, sing ho for the life of a bear. I don't much mind if it rains or snows, because I've got a lot of honey on my nice new nose. I don't much care if it snows or thaws, because I've got a lot of honey on my nice clean paws. Sing ho for a bear, sing ho for a poo, and I'll have a little something in an hour or two. He was so pleased with this song, he sang it all the way to the top of the forest. And if I go on singing it much longer, he thought, I'll be in time for the little something, and then the last line won't be true. So he turned it into a hum instead. Well, Christopher Robin was sitting outside his door, putting on his big boots. As soon as he saw the big boots, Pooh knew that an adventure was happening and he brushed the honey off his nose with the back of his paw, spruced himself up as well as he could so as to look ready for anything. Good morning, Christopher Robin, he called out. Oh, hello, Pooh Bear. I can't get this boot on. Oh, that's bad, said Pooh. Uh, do you think you could very kindly lean against me, because I keep pulling so hard that I fall over backwards? Well, Pooh sat down, dug his feet into the ground, and pushed hard against Christopher Robin's back. And Christopher Robin pushed hard against his, and pulled and pulled at his boot until he got it on. That's that, said Pooh. What do we do next? We're going on an expedition, said Christopher Robin as he got up and brushed himself. Thank you, Pooh. Going on an expedition, said Pooh eagerly. I don't think I've ever been on one of those. What, what are we going on this exposition? Expedition, silly old bear. It's got an X in it. Oh, said Pooh, I know. But he really didn't. We're going to discover the North Pole. Oh, said Pooh again. What is the North Pole? he asked. It's just a thing you discover, said Christopher Robin carelessly, not being quite sure himself. Oh, I see, said Pooh. Are bears any good at discovering it? Of course they are, and Rabbit and Kanga and all of you. It's an exposition. That's what an expedition means. A long line of everybody. You'd better go tell the others to get ready while I see if my gun's all right, and we must all bring provisions. Bring what? Things to eat. Oh, said Pooh happily. I thought you said provisions. I'll go and tell them. And he slumped off. And the first person he met was Rabbit. Hello, Rabbit, he said. Is that you? Let's pretend it isn't, said Rabbit. See what happens. I've got a message for you. I'll give it to him. We're all going on an expedition with Christopher Robin. What is it when we're on it? A sort of boat, I think, said Pooh. Oh, that sort. 
uh, yes, and, and, and we're going to understand, we're going to discover the pole or something, or was it a mole? Anyhow, we're going to discover it. We are, are we? said Rabbit. Uh, yes, and we've got to bring pro uh, things to eat with us in case we want to eat them. Now I'm going down to Piglet's. Tell Kanga, will you? Well, he left Rabbit, hurried down to Piglet's house. The Piglet was sitting on the ground at the door of his house, blowing happily at a dandelion, and wondering whether it would be this year, next year, sometime, or never. He just discovered that it would be never, and was trying to remember what it was, and hoping it wasn't anything nice. And then Pooh came up. Oh, Piglet! said Pooh excitedly. We're going on an expedition, all of us, with things to eat, to discover something. To discover what? said Piglet anxiously. Oh, something nice, nothing fierce. Christopher Robin didn't say anything about fierce. It just had an X in it. It isn't their necks, I mind, said Piglet earnestly. It's their teeth, but if Christopher Robin's coming, I don't mind anything. Well, in a little while, they were already at the top of the forest, and the expedition started. First came Christopher Robin, and Rabbit, then Piglet and Pooh, then Kanga with Rue in her pocket, and Owl, and then Eeyore. And at the end, in a long line, all of Rabbit's friends and relations. I didn't ask them said Rabbit carelessly. They just came. They always do. They can march at the end after Eeyore. What I say, said Eeyore, is that it's unsettling. I didn't want to come on this expo, what Pooh said. I only came to oblige, but here I am. And if I'm at the end of the expo, what we're talking about, then let me be the end. But if every time I want to sit down for a little rest, I have to brush away half a dozen of Rabbit's smaller friends and relations first, then this isn't an expo whatever it is at all. It's simply a confused noise. That's what I say. I see what Eeyore means, said Owl. If you ask me... I'm not asking anybody, said Eeyore. I'm just telling everybody. We can look for the North Pole, or we can play here we go gathering nuts in May with the end part of an ant's nest. It's all the same to me. There was a shout from the top of the line. Come on, called Christopher Robin. Come on, called Pooh and Piglet. Come on called Owl. We're starting, said Rabbit. I must go. And he hurried off to the front of the exposition with Christopher Robin. All right, said Eeyore. We're going. Only don't blame me. So off they all went to discover the pole. And as they walked, they chatted to each other about this and that, all except Pooh, who was making up a song. This is the first verse, he said to Piglet when he was ready with it. First verse of what? My song. What song? This one. Which one? Well, if you listen, Piglet, you'll hear it. 
How do you know I'm not listening? Pooh couldn't answer that one, so he began to sing. They all went off to discover the pole, owl and piglet and rabbit and all. It's a thing you discover, as I've been told, by owl and piglet and rabbit and all. Eeyore, Christopher Robin and Pooh, and rabbit's relations all went too. And where the pole was, none of them knew. Hey, sing for owl and rabbit and all. Hush, said Christopher Robin, turning round to Pooh. We're just coming to it dangerous place. Hush, said Pooh, turning quickly to Piglet. Hush, said Piglet to Kanga. Hush, said Kanga to Owl, while Roo said, hush, 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 several times to himself quietly. Hush, said Owl to Eeyore. Hush, said Eeyore, in a terrible voice, to all Rabbit's friends and relations, and hush, they all said hastily to each other all the way down the line until it got to the last one of all. And the last and smallest friend in relation was so upset to find that the whole exposition was saying hush to him, he buried himself head downward in a crack in the ground and stayed there for two days until the danger was over. And then he went home in a great hurry and lived quietly with his aunt ever after. His name was Alexander Beetle. They'd come to a stream which twisted and tumbled between high rocky banks, and Christopher Robin saw at once how dangerous it was. It's just the place, he explained, for an ambush. What sort of bush? whispered Pooh to Piglet. A gorse bush? My dear Pooh, said Owl in his superior way, don't you know what an ambush is? Owl, said Piglet, looking at him severely, Pooh's whisper was perfectly private, and there was no need. An ambush, said Owl, is a sort of surprise. So is a gorse bush sometimes, said Pooh. An ambush, as I was explaining to Pooh, is a sort of surprise said Piglet. If people jump out at you suddenly, that's an ambush, said Owl. It's an ambush, Pooh, when people jump out at you suddenly, said Piglet. Pooh, who now knew what an ambush was, said that a gorse bush had sprung out at him suddenly one day when he fell off a tree, and had taken six days to get all the prickles out of himself. We're not talking about gorse bushes said Owl a little crossly. I am, said Pooh. They were climbing very cautiously up the stream now, rock to rock, and after they'd gone a little way, they came to a place where the banks widen out at each side, so that on each side of the water there was a level strip of grass on which they could sit down and rest. And as soon as he saw this, Christopher Robin called, Halt! And they all sat down and rested. I think, said Christopher Robin, that we ought to eat all our provisions now, so that we shan't have so much to carry. Eat all our what? said Pooh. All that we brought, said Piglet, getting to work. Oh, that's a good idea, said Pooh, and he got to work too. Have you all got something? asked Christopher Robin with his mouth full. All except me, 
said Eeyore, as usual. He looked around at them in his melancholy way. I suppose none of you were sitting on a thistle by any chance. I believe I am, said Pooh. Ow! He got up and looked behind him and, yes, I was. I thought so. Thank you, Pooh, if you've quite finished with it. He moved across to Pooh's place and began to eat. I don't do them any good, you know, sitting on them. He went on and looked up munching. Takes all the life out of them. Remember that another time, all of you. A little consideration, a little thought for others makes all the difference. As soon as he'd finished his lunch, Christopher Robin whispered to Rabbit, and Rabbit said, Yes, yes, of course. They walked a little way up the stream together. I didn't want the others to hear, said Christopher Robin. Quite so, said Rabbit, looking important. It's, I wondered, it's only, Rabbit, I suppose you don't know. What does the North Pole look like? Uh, well, said Rabbit, stroking his whiskers, now you're asking me. I, I did know once, only I've sort of forgotten, said Christopher Robin carelessly. It's a funny thing, said Rabbit, but I've sort of forgotten too, although I did know once. I suppose it's just a pole stuck in the ground. Uh, sure to be a pole, said Rabbit, because of calling it a pole. And if it's a pole, well, I would think it'd be sticking in the ground, shouldn't you? Because there'd be nowhere else to stick it. Yes, that's what I thought. The only thing, said Rabbit, is where's it sticking? Uh, uh, that's what we're looking for, said Christopher Robin. So they went back to the others. Piglet was lying on his back, sleeping peacefully. Rue was washing his face and paws in the stream, while Kanga explained to everybody proudly this was the first time he'd ever washed his face himself. An owl was telling Kanga an interesting anecdote full of long words like encyclopedia and rhododendron, to which Kanga wasn't listening. I don't hold with all this washing, grumbled Eeyore, this modern behind-the-ears nonsense. What do you think, Pooh? Well, said Pooh, I think, but... We shall never know what Pooh thought, for there came a sudden squeak from Rue, a splash, and a loud cry of alarm from Kanga. So much for washing, said Eeyore. Rue's fallen in, said Rabbit, and he and Christopher Robin came rushing down to the rescue. Look at me squimming, said Rue from the middle of the pool, and was hurried down a waterfall into the next pool. "'Are you all right, Rue, dear?' called Kanga anxiously. Uh, "'Yes,' said Rue. "'Look at me, sweet!' And he went over the next waterfall into another pool. Everybody was doing something to help Piglet. Wide awake suddenly, was jumping up and down and making, "'Oh, I say!' noises. Owl was explaining that in case of sudden and temporary immersion, the important thing was to keep the head above water. Kanga was jumping along the bank, saying, Are you sure you're all right, Rue, dear? To which Rue, from whatever pool he was in at the moment, was answering, Look at me swimming! 
Eeyore turned around, hung his tail over the first pool into which Rue fell, and with his back to the accident was grumbling quietly to himself, saying, All this washing, but catch on to my tail, little Rue, and you'll be all right. And Christopher Robin and Rabbit came hurrying past Eeyore and were calling out to the others in front of him. All right, Rue, I'm coming, called Christopher Robin. Get something across the stream lower down, some of you fellas. But Pooh was getting something. Two pools below Rue, he was standing with a long pole in his paws, and Kanga came up and took one end of it, and between them they held it across the lower part of the pool, and Rue, still bubbling proudly, look at me swimming, drifted up against it and climbed out. Did you see me swimming? squeaked Rue excitedly, while Kanga scolded him and rubbed him down. Pooh, did you see me swimming? That's called swimming, what I was doing. Rabbit, did you see what I was doing? Swimming. Hello, piglet. Say, piglet, did you see what I was doing? I was swimming, Christopher Robin. Did you see me? But Christopher Robin wasn't listening. He was looking at Pooh. Pooh, he said, where did you find that pole? Pooh looked at the pole in his hands. I just found it, he said. I thought it ought to be useful. I just picked it up. Pooh, said Christopher Robin. The expedition is over. You've found the North Pole. Oh, said Pooh. Eeyore was sitting with his tail in the water when they got back to him. Tell Rue to be quick, somebody, he said. My tail's getting cold. I don't want to mention it, but I just mention it. I don't want to complain, but there it is. My tail's cold. Here I am, squeaked Rue. Oh, there you are. Did you see me swimming? Eeyore took his tail out of the water and swished it from side to side. As I expected, he said, lost all feeling, numbed it. That's what it's done, numbed it. Well, long as nobody minds, I suppose it's all right. Poor old Eeyore, I'll dry it for you, said Christopher Robin, and he took out his handkerchief and rubbed it up. Thank you, Christopher Robin. You're the only one who seems to understand about tales. They don't think that's what's the matter with some of these others. They've no imagination. A tale isn't a tale to them. It's just a little bit extra at the back. Never mind, Eeyore, said Christopher Robin, rubbing his hardest. Is that better? It's feeling more like a tale, perhaps. It belongs again, if you know what I mean. Hello, Eeyore, said Pooh, coming up to them with his pole. Hello, Pooh. Thanks for asking, but I shall be able to use it again in a day or two. Use what? said Pooh. What we're talking about. I wasn't talking about anything, said Pooh, looking puzzled. My mistake again. I thought you were saying how sorry you were about my tale, being all numb 
And could you do anything to help? Uh, no, said Pooh. That wasn't me, he said. He thought for a little and then suggested helpfully, eh, perhaps it was someone else. Well, thank him for me when you see him. Pooh looked anxiously at Christopher Robin. Pooh's found the North Pole, said Christopher Robin. Isn't that lovely? Pooh looked down modestly. Is that it? said Eeyore. Yes, said Christopher Robin. Is that what we were looking for? Yes, said Pooh. Oh, said Eeyore. Well, anyhow, it didn't rain, he said. So they stuck the pole in the ground, and Christopher Robin tied a message to it. North Pole, discovered by Pooh. Pooh found it, and they all went home again. And I think, but I'm not quite sure, that Rue had a hot bath and went straight to bed. But when Pooh got back to his house, feeling very proud of what he'd done, he had a little something to revive himself. Oh, wow. That's chapter eight coming up on our next stream on Saturday night. We will do the second to the last chapter of Winnie the Pooh, chapter nine, in which Piglet is entirely surrounded by water. Ooh. <laughs> All right. Cool beans. Winnie the Pooh from A.A. A. Milne, courtesy of the good folks. At the Gutenberg Project, gutenberg.org, if you want to check out all their books over there. It's all totally free of charge. Fantastic site. All right. What did we miss while I was reading? Uh, let's see. I understand you're not really a huge Marvel fan because we all have different likes, and I respect that. Okay. Uh, but from all the movies you've watched, which superhero do you favor the most? My favorite was Spider-Man, because I love the quote that with great power comes great responsibility. That is a really, really good quote, and a lot of people in power could could do well to remember those wise words. Uh, what is my favorite? I might disappoint you, but I think my favorite superhero is Batman. And here's why, I'll tell you why. All the other superheroes have powers, magical powers, Spider-Man's web, uh, you know, all the different things that these superheroes have. Batman just has his belt full of gadgets and lots of cool things, but he doesn't have any magical powers. He just does what he does, and it's just, a guy fighting crime by beating the hell out of people. Oh, okay. So that's the thing. See, because I don't know DC, Marvel, all that stuff. So yeah, Batman is DC. But um, yeah, I would say of all the superheroes in whatever universe, Batman would be my favorite. And because I don't know the distinction between Marvel and I, I, I think is, uh, is Iron Man Marvel? Or is that also DC? If Iron Man is Marvel, and I 
had to limit it to just the Marvel character superheroes? I would say Iron Man for kind of the same reasons. Because, again, Iron Man just has... Yes, Marvel. Okay, cool. Then of the Marvel Universe, I would pick Iron Man for the same reason overall I picked Batman. Because Iron Man, he's got the suit and everything, but he himself doesn't have particularly magical powers the way a lot of the other, if not all the other superheroes do. So there you go. If my opinion matters to you, that's it. Anyway, (laughs) I would rate the Batman 8 out of 10. Cool. All right. Uh, We should do some stories about that. I'll find some quirky off-the-wall stuff, and uh, maybe we'll cover some of that in an upcoming show. Cool beans. All right, we got to go. Man, we've done exactly an hour, so I got to close out this show for tonight. Thank you so much for hanging with me. Wow, it was a long one, long chapter of the book tonight. We'll be back on Saturday night, and uh, thank you to all of our followers, subscribers across YouTube, Twitch.tv, Facebook, and Rumble.com. Check us out on Rumble, please. And to all of our podcast listeners, thank you so much. I'll see you Saturday night. Until then, I'm the guy not wearing pants, Jay Sheldon. Good night. Snort. <laughs>